The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I remember some history in my past, and I know I'm going to date myself, but it's almost like yesterday that I was sitting with my father and my family as we listened in 1952 to the election returns for Dwight Eisenhower. And my dad was saying, he has to win. And I remember asking, Daddy, why do you want Dwight Eisenhower to be the president of the United States? He's a general. And my dad's response was, because Dwight Eisenhower won't do anything. I said, isn't our president supposed to do something? And my dad said, with great understanding, if a president will do nothing but get government out of our way, we as an American people can be very, very successful and happy. We just need the government to leave us alone. Now, he was not an anti-government person. He simply believed in self-reliance. He believed in a very limited role for government. He believed in the Constitution. He believed in the Bill of Rights. These were things that for him were very precious. And it made him angry when during the Great Depression, presidents stepped in and from his perspective made things much worse. He said, they always just gum up everything. America works if they'll keep their hands off of it. I remember other things that happened as well. I'll never forget the day John F. Kennedy was shot. I still remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I remember standing there weeping, just as a young boy, as a young man, weeping because I knew this violated what America was about. This is not the way we deal with disagreements in America. I remember also as though it were yesterday, the conflict, the Cuban Missile Crisis, listening intently to the radio for every broadcast terrified lest atomic war break out, nuclear war. We've only learned many years later how close we came. The Lord God of heaven delivered America. I remember when Iran took captive those Americans and held them hostage under Jimmy Carter. And while being a pious man, a good man, in his personal life, 
he was afraid. And America, under his, under his policies, drifted into a malaise of deadness. I remember seeing the impact it had on the finances in my family and in America. We talked about it around the dinner table. I also remember when I voted for George Bush Sr. And then I remember watching as he stood before the people and announced a new world order. I had no idea the wickedness of this man or his family. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive, but I look at the fruit. You can tell a good tree by its fruit. And then I learned that Prescott Bush, the grandpa of this family, had helped Hitler by funding the building up of the German army. That they tried to prosecute him after the war. They indicted him. That the Bush family made their money dishonestly, in a treasonous manner. And yet the Bush dynasty ruled in America for many years and almost destroyed America. Without our knowing it, secret agreements were being made about which which nations would be taken down. Iraq, Syria, Libya, and others. They had a whole hit list that they had agreed upon. Bill Clinton was reaping the benefits of Ronald Reagan, but he also made some very wise financial decisions for America. But he was wicked to the core, a fornicator, a man of no moral value, a man who publicly shamed America. I've always had a heart for Monica Lewinsky. I think she was a foolish young woman filled with passion, but she was taken advantage of by a much older man in a powerful position. I remember the whole incident of the shameful dress with the stain. I remember when the Drudge broadcast broke that. And again, I wept for America. And then I thought we had great hope with the next Bush presidency. He disappointed me beyond words. He spent like a wild sailor. He brought in such darkness into our nation. He killed millions of innocent people with his policies and his practices. And then comes hope and change. 
Barack Obama, who has done more to destroy the black people of America than any other single president. He has done more to impoverish them. He's done more to cast them out of employment. He has been, for the black people of America, the worst president America has ever had. But many remain on the Democrats' plantation, voting for the party of the Ku Klux Klan, voting for the party of destruction of the family unit and poverty. Oh, they say they're not, but their policies prove them otherwise. But frankly, I have a hard time telling the difference between a Democrat or a Republican today. I'm deeply disappointed by Paul Ryan and many other Republicans. I think they have utterly betrayed and sold out our nation. And then I look at the Supreme Court and John Roberts. I think he was bought off, blackmailed for Supreme Court decision on homosexuality and other issues. I look at America today and I tremble with fear. And I'll never forget where I was 15 years ago. I was with my wife. I was with my wife 15 years ago in my living room when suddenly the word came, the tragic word from New York City, 9-11. More than 3,000 people perished in the most horrific way. Firefighters, policemen, trying their best with great bravery to rescue. I'll never forget speaking with Pastor David Wilkerson after this event. And he told me how he had gone to his church and they had given over $100,000 and they were taking it to the fire chief to help care for the firemen who who were injured and to help care for the families who no longer had their father. That was one of the great tragedies of our day. There are still many questions that are unanswered about what happened on that day. There's still no explanation for why thermite, a government-controlled explosive, was found, the residue of the, of the metal 
of this building? I don't know what happened. I just know there are many questions about it. But what I really want to ask is what a a dear friend asked. He texted me this morning. His question was, Pastor Ray, what do you think has happened to America since 9-11 happened? Well, my answer was the gates of hell have opened for America. Every wicked and evil thing has flooded into this nation. But he had some very specific things that he saw that had happened, and I want to share those with you. Number one, he said, we have quadrupled our national debt, now sitting at nearly $20 trillion. And with more debt comes less freedom. It's true. The debt has quadrupled. Since Mr. Obama became the president, since 9-11, we have run up more debt than in the 200 years prior to that. He said, our Constitution has been breached with laws passed by Congress, like the Patriot Act, and laws signed in secret by executive order by now two presidents. That's true. The Patriot Act is probably the most treasonous act that has ever been passed in America. It was the theft of the freedom of the people in the name of safety. It's certainly not clear that it has in any way helped America. He writes in this text, you can now be detained as a U.S. citizen without charges, without a judge or a jury. You can now have your passport revoked if you are merely alleged without charges to owe back taxes. Your passport can be revoked You can do nothing about it. This violates our Constitution, and yet our president has signed it into law. Since 9-11, under President Bush, and of course under President Obama, there has exploded a no-fly list where many, many people have been accused of being a terrorist without any charges, without any right to confront the accuser, you can be detained the right to fly. And it's a secret list. This is like a star chamber kangaroo court. This is what has happened since 9-11. And the statists say that this is because they want to keep America safe. And I say I'd rather be free than to be kept safe by the government. I don't need the government to keep me safe. He writes, last but not least, we have dropped like a rock 
in the ranking internationally of freedom. We were the freest country in the world for three or four decades straight. But since 9-11, we have dropped to number 20. This is astonishing how fast our fall has been. Our economy now is no longer considered free. We are now ranked mostly free. He writes, this is appalling. It is appalling what's happened to America. A trusted brother of mine had a dream just before all of this vile wickedness began to break forth as it is now. He was on the street and suddenly the street broke open and a geyser of vile filth began to flow like an artesian well. Green slime. And it began to flow out in every direction. He had to quickly dodge and and run to get out of its way. (coughs) And the Lord spoke to him and said, Do not touch. Do not touch. We have never seen in American history such a vile breaking forth of wickedness from Hollywood to murder and mayhem in Chicago and every other major city in the corruption and the lying of politicians. We've never seen anything like this. Justice Ginsburg I read what she said after a case where she considers other nations' laws in making decisions for America. I thought it was the Constitution that we went by, not other nations. Sharia law is beginning to be exercised in certain portions of our nation, which is in direct violation of our Constitution. President Obama has said that the Constitution is a living document, that it must be adjusted and changed as the times go by. No, it is not a living document. It is not to be changed. It is absolute. But every wickedness is flowing and our freedom has been ripped from us. While we watch the Kardashians and the Redskins and every other form of entertainment. Now, why am I talking about all of this today? Some of you are probably saying, come on, Pastor, talk about the scriptures. Well, I am. Don't you understand? All of this has been prophesied. We were to expect it to happen. We were to look carefully and understand the times in which we live. 
In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the Apostle Paul begins to do the same thing that I've just done with you. He begins to talk about the history of the Jewish people. He begins to recount. It's always important that we go back and look at what happened since 9-11. It's important that we go back and look at what has happened in our nation under the bushes and under President Obama. It's important that we go back and, and understand the fall of America so that when the nation's fiat currency, which has no value except as we have confidence in it, when that confidence has been utterly destroyed and the bond market collapses and your pensions are gone and you can't receive Social Security anymore, and that will happen, when, when murder and mayhem come to your neighborhood... Will you understand why? Now, this is what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses by the cloud and by the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock following them. Now that rock was Christ. Now we also have our history of righteousness, as Jonathan Edwards came preaching righteousness. And John Wesley came preaching righteousness. George Whitfield came preaching righteousness, and the whole nation was stirred and changed. Little villages that did not have one Christian suddenly became entirely Christian as the Holy Spirit moved in power, and this prepared the way for the great revolution against England. That's why our revolution was unlike the French Revolution, where reason was supposed to rule and the human spirit was supposed to rule. No, in America, God's spirit was to rule. That's what happened with the children of Israel. The Spirit of God led them out even as America was led out to be the light upon the hill, a place of freedom, a place of integrity, a place of righteousness. Torqueville writing about, why is America so great? Is reported to have said, because they're so good. Because the pulpits of America are aflame with righteousness. But in our day, the pulpits are no longer aflame with righteousness. They're aflame with prosperity. They're alive with human flesh. The pulpits of America have today deserted the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach a false gospel of Gnosticism. And America is no longer good. Oh, they're still good in America. But wickedness is flowing like a vile river of vomit. 
Verse 5, God was not well pleased with most of them, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples for us not to be passionate with reference to evil things, as they were also passionate. So Paul is saying, look at the history of the children of Israel. Understand that they turned to evil. They turned and became passionate about their entertainment and their money and their lifestyle. And they deserted the Lord God of heaven. He says, you must not be Come, idolaters. What is an idolater? Someone who worships that which is made by man or worships something other than that which is made by the Lord God of heaven, who is God, to be worshipped alone. It says the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, to fornicate. to have sexual freedom, to violate the marriage that is between a man and a woman, to do whatever seems best to the human heart, which is a vile heart given to wickedness. And the Apostle Paul is saying, remember this history. See how the nation turned away from God. See what happened. They were destroyed. They died. He's saying, we must not practice sexual immorality as some of them did and they fell. In one day, 23,000 died in one day. You think it would make the headlines... If suddenly in one city, 23,000 people were struck dead with a plague? Of course it would. It'd be top news. Everybody be saying, why? And if the preacher stood up and said, it's because of the wickedness of your heart, people would be offended and they would scorn that preacher. But the Apostle Paul is saying, That's why they died. He's saying, neither may we tempt the Christ. That is saying, is he real? Is God really there? Or am I just free to go ahead and do whatever I want to do? He said, some of them tempted God. And he sent poisonous serpents among them, an infestation of poisonous snakes into their camps. What if suddenly New York City was infested with poisonous snakes and people were fleeing the city? And a preacher would have stand up and say, it's because of the wickedness of Times Square. It's because of the prostitution. It's because of the financial corruption on Wall Street. It's because of the banks and their lying and cheating and stealing from the people. That preacher would be branded as a fool. 
But that's what the Apostle Paul is recounting out of what happened to his people. He says, you must not even grumble. Some of them grumbled and they perished by a destroyer. Now all these things were happening to those persons as examples, and it was written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The end of the ages is now upon America and upon the world. And we need to look very carefully at what has happened to America since 9-11 and understand that these things have not just happened that wicked men and women have designed the financial collapse. They have designed to destroy the dollar. They have designed to cause us to look away from our own destruction because we're so enticed by the Redskins or Beyonce or some other foul-smelling, wicked woman, a Jezebel. Look, let's call it what it is. America has turned to darkness. And if we do not repent, and the Apostle Paul were to come and preach to us, he would say, Do you see what you have done and how far you have fallen from glory? But most in America want the ride. So we talk about pleasant things. We talk about the football games. We talk about money. We talk about our family and our prosperity, and we ignore and close our eyes to the destruction that is rushing upon America. You see, everything in the end days will be political. Don't say to me, preacher, don't talk about politics. Everything about the mark of the beast is political. Everything about the one world government is political. Even now, as I'm speaking with you, the systems are being put in place for Agenda 21, which is the devil's plan for world dominance and to destroy America's nationalism, to destroy populism, to destroy utterly once and for all the prosperity of this nation and any godliness remaining in this country. Agenda 21 is beyond words the most wicked thing that human hearts have ever devised. And the TPP, It is simply a carefully designed trap by which nations can be sued. It is a carefully designed trap to steal, to rip off, to degrade. I praise God that TPP will never pass, but President Obama is determined that after the election, he's going to jam it through. Oh, I pray that Almighty God stops him before he does any more to destroy this nation. I wish he had had the courage to be like Ike Eisenhower and keep his hands off Americans. Everything is going to be political in the end day. 
even morality, as it is reinterpreted and manipulated by the statist government. So then, verse 12, the one assuming to have stood must pay attention lest he may fall. So he's saying, look, don't be smug about your position with God, but but get very serious about it. Understand the day we live in. Pay attention. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off President Obama. Get your eyes off politics. Get your eyes off and focus on Jesus and get right with him. But be aware of what's happening in this nation and the wickedness. The wickedness of our presidents. Some men have even said, is it possible that a righteous man could be the president of America because we have become such a wicked nation? Democrats and Republicans, two sides of the same coin, utterly given to wickedness. Now I pray in the next election that something can change by the power of God that will give us a little more time to deal with these realities. Verse 13, he says, No temptation has come upon you except is common to mankind. Now God is faithful, who will not permit you to be tempted beyond that which you are able But with the temptation, he will also make the way out, so that being able, you endured from start to finish. Now, let's let's be very clear what he's saying. He's saying that a temptation has a beginning and an end. And every man and every woman is called by the power of God to recognize the beginning of of a fiery temptation coming from Satan who is baiting his hook for you and and knowing the end of that temptation and having the victory. I cannot find any passage of Scripture that will in any manner justify a Christian continuing to walk in their sin. Every passage that I find says that every Christian must overcome their sin or they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is no sinning Christian theology in the scriptures. It has to be twisted and manipulated to say something that it does not say. The expectation of the Apostle Paul is that we will endure the painful, fiery trial that comes to seduce us to sin against Jesus Christ, but that we can have the victory. He says, For this very reason, my beloved, you must flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You must judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless 
Is it not a fellowship of the blood of the Christ? There is a cup of blessing for those who will leave their sin and become a part of the fellowship of the blood. The fellowship of the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, the bread which we break, is it not a fellowship of the body of Christ? What's the word fellowship? It means, koinonia is the Greek word. It means to find support in leaning against. In other words, the Christian will be a part of the fellowship of the blood of Christ. Meaning, that their support and their strength will come from Jesus Christ and the fellowship, the church. Now, every once in a while, I speak with someone who says, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Then I seriously doubt if that person is a Christian. If there's no church for you to go to, you form a church. A church doesn't have to be an institution. In fact, the church is never an institution. It's a body. It's where two or three people gather together in the name of Christ. And Jesus says, where two or three gather, I'm there. I'm with them. That's church. Church means ecclesia, the ones who are called out. You don't have to have a pastor to have a church. You don't have to have a priest to be in church. Church is where the body of Christ gathers. Men and women, boys and girls, who are uniting themselves with the fellowship of the blood of Jesus Christ. A church is not one person. It's two or three people. Or more. Often we say at the National Prayer Chapel, we have gathered today in the name of our Lord Jesus. We are here for Jesus. We're here because of Jesus. We're part of the fellowship of the blood. And then he says, consider Israel. So he's going to go back now to history and to political history. He's saying, look, they had a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, they had priests who were ministering. This was the political governing body, the priests. Yes, they were sacred, but they were also secular. They interpreted laws. They cooperated with the leadership, with Moses. It says, weren't the ones who ate of that sacrifice offered on the altar, a burnt offering, were they not participating in the altar? They were eating the meat as the blood was being offered. 
What then am I saying? He says, that an idol is anything? No. But he's saying what the Gentiles sacrifice to their God is participating with demons. He's saying Gentiles make offerings to demons. America is making offerings to demons. To the demons of of prosperity, of pride, arrogance, lying, cheating, stealing. America's offering offerings to demons. Violence and destruction. Sexual impurity. Demons are mixed up in all of this, and we offer ourselves, and then we're participating with demons. And Paul says, you're not able to drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You're not able to partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do you provoke the Lord to jealousy? We're not stronger than he is, are we? So he's saying, look, don't participate in the wickedness of our culture. Don't participate in the entertainment of our culture. It's unclean. Don't gain your sustenance by fellowshipping with demons, by leaning into them for your support. Instead, join the fellowship of blood. Lean into Jesus Christ, into righteousness and holiness, honesty, integrity, purity of mind, spirit, and body. And then James, and that's where we'll be spending our time this week. He says in James 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation to sin. Oh, the temptation's going to come. For some, it's going to come from inside, and for some, it's going to come from the outside, but it's going to come. And James, the brother of Jesus, is saying, you're going to have to endure it. Because having become approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to the one loving him. The crown of life is only for those who endure the temptation and do not give in to it. Let no one be tempted, saying, I am tempted by God, for God is untemptable by evil. God is not the one who brings temptation. He'll bring testing, but he won't bring He won't bring temptation to you. It's always the devil who brings temptation, or it's our own inner spirit that brings our temptation. It says, God entices no one to sin. Everything that God has invested in us, 
was invested that we could walk free of our sin. And if you still believe that you cannot be free of your sin, if you still believe that you must sin every day, you are treating the blood of Jesus as the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament. You are trampling on the blood of Jesus. You are insulting the spirit of grace. You are lying to yourself. And if anyone tells you that you must sin every day, he is a liar. According to the scriptures, he is a liar. He is not a truthful preacher. He's been seduced by the demons of this age. And he's preaching a false gospel. But notice where sin comes from. Verse 14. But each one is enticed to sin by one's own lust, being drawn out and being lured by bait. So the writer of the book of James is saying, look, the devil tosses the bait out, something that gets our attention, someone who captures our attention. A fellowship of people who capture our attention. And they call us to do something, to think or act in an unclean manner. One young man told me about going to eat at a friend's house, and then they said, hey, let's all go downtown to such and such a restaurant and get dessert. So this young man foolishly climbed in the car at midnight and headed downtown. Nothing good happens after midnight in Washington, D.C. And then they said, oh, let's go to this, let's go to this lounge. Let's dance and drink a while. And this young man has a covenant that he will not do that. So he remained outside. They scorned him for that, but he still remained outside. He finally got home at 5 a.m. in the morning and then sent me a text saying, I'm sick, I can't come to church today. He had responsibilities that day, and he could not fulfill them, so he excused himself. I knew immediately that he had not been sick, that he'd been caught in sin. I began to pray intently for him, and he called me the next day and repented, told me what had happened, said, I'm not going to take the bait next time. Now, I'm very pleased that he did not go into the lounge and participate in the drinking and the dancing, the grinding, the uncleanness of that wicked lounge. But he did take the bait and go halfway. He opened himself up to much scorn and ridicule on the part of his friends. And I asked him, are they really your friends? Can you win them to Jesus, or are they always going to entrap you in some kind of wickedness? Verse 15 says, Then the lust 
having assisted, produces sin. And the sin, having been completed, brings forth death. So the sin comes and it dances in front of us like some stripper saying, come play with me. The sin of that gluttony, the sin of that lie, the sin of that pleasurable moment with darkness. The sin of that television show that the Lord has said, stop watching. The sin of those filthy thoughts that fill your mind. They all come dancing before you, and now you have to make a decision. Am I going to take the bait and go and finish the sin? Or am I going to quickly repent for even letting it go this far and this long? Because when this sin is completed, you'll be assigned death. And if you think that you're going to sin every day, then every day you're going to have death assigned to you. And in the end, you'll be cast into the fires of hell. There will be no sudden change at death. You will not suddenly be made righteous when you die. Death is not our Savior. Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, is what breaks the power of sin in our hearts and our lives. Verse 16 says, you must not be deceived, my brethren. You must not be deceived. Many of you listening to this broadcast today have been desperately deceived by the culture of America. And you've been going along to get along. And you've been focused on money and prosperity Some of you are in despair because you think you don't have enough or you have lost your job and despair has overwhelmed you. I have good news for you. I'll read one more passage of Scripture and then tomorrow we're going to come back and deal in depth. Verse 17, this is James 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation. God has many wonderful gifts that he wants to give you. He wants to hear the cry of your heart. He wants to give you the job that you need. He wants to take care of your family in a way you need them to be taken care of. He wants to heal the sickness in your body. God only comes bringing good gifts to us. He does not bring curses to us. Sin and the devil bring the curses upon our hearts and our lives. So what's happened to you since 9-11? Have you become a serious follower of Jesus, turning away from all sin? Or have you drifted down with the culture? Have you said everybody's doing it so I can do it too? Have you been caught up more and more in the entertainment of our day? Movies and 
all the wickedness that goes on in our culture? Or have you turned your back and sought Jesus with all of your heart? Lord Jesus, I pray your mercy for your people today. I pray that you will give us the courage to examine carefully our hearts and our lives and to stop the complacency and the casualness. Lord, quicken us now by your Holy Spirit. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. I pastored the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts. You'll find much information that will help you on this journey with Jesus. It's all free. Know that Jesus loves you. He died to save you from your sin. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.